Welcome to Life and Death on the Fringe. I'm Maggie. And I'm Danelle. So, yeah, we're recording uh, at night tonight. <laughs> it feels so late, but it's not. Yeah. Really, it's, it's not. not. It's not. At least it's a little quieter outside, hopefully. Won't be as wild. <laughs> wild. One can hope. It's wild. One can hope. <laughs> um... Oh. So, trigger warnings? Uh, content warnings, yeah. yes. So, we'll be discussing domestic violence, some pretty heavy domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also going to be discussing suicide. Yeah, some heavy stuff. Uh, this show is definitely not for children. I would say teenagers, if, you know, at your discretion. Yeah, it's explicit. It's mature content. It is, definitely. And we cover mature topics like um, trauma and abuse. Yeah. Um, our podcast is available pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. Um, do you want to talk about our patrons for a sec? Oh yeah. So we do have, um, patron exclusive content now. Our patrons will be able to see like police reports that we've uploaded, autopsy reports, those sorts of things pertinent to the cases that we've covered. Mm -hmm. So that's on there for a dollar a month. Yeah. Yeah, Support us. And we have the (laughs) buy me a coffee thing. We do have buy me a coffee or buy me a pizza, whatever you'd rather. Buy me a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, somebody should make one called "Buy Me a Broccoli." I mean, you can change, you can make it whatever you want. That would be hilarious. Just buy me a, <laughs> a broccoli, singular, <laughs> a, cr- a floret. <laughs> <laughs> um, Any other business to cover? I don't think so. All right, this is going to be interesting because this is a case that takes place in Montana, which I spent um, from ages six to twelve growing up there, and uh, quite a bit of this case actually takes place in Missoula so um which is where I actually grew up so I'll try to jump in and give visuals where I can yeah as I don't think I've ever experienced anything that vast not in that way like I grew up in a rainforest yeah it's completely different. Montana is it's mind-boggling how large it is and until you actually experience a place like that it is really difficult to try and explain how vast it is yeah yeah it's incredibly large yeah yeah. I'm gonna it's huge. God. Um with that though, that brings us to who we're covering today, the case that we're covering. It is an unsolved case. Yeah, the case of Jermaine Charlo. Jermaine Charlo, uh, a beautiful twenty three year old indigenous woman living in on the Flathead Reservation, Dixon, Montana. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she was last seen, I, and I've seen this a couple of different ways, so I'm going to give it both ways. A lot of places say that she was last seen on the 15th, which was Friday, but really she was last seen on the 16th. It was after midnight at her last, when she was last right. seen. It was super duper late. Yeah. And she had been out. Yep. Yeah. It was like just after midnight, not yeah. too. Just living life. Living life. I mean, she's 23. Yeah. That's yep. What, that's what 23-year-olds do. They do. So just to kind of give you some insight on like to hum- who Jermaine was in this moment. She had two beautiful kids. Mm-hmm. They, she had two boys. The oldest took after her a lot. Her grandma said that he loved to run. He loved to be outside. Uh, just like Jermaine. A free spirit. A free spirit. Yep. And um, the oldest at the time Jermaine goes missing was almost four. And the youngest was two and a half. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to name them. The yeah, names are out there. literal but babies. Yeah, I'm not going to do that to them. Um, they are going through enough. Yeah. Um, like I said, Jermaine grew up on the Flathead Reservation in Montana. The reservation, just to kind of give you a picture, because 
I've never been to Montana, mm-hmm. but to kind of give an idea of what it is like, the reservation is 2,000 square miles. It's home to 27,282 people as per the last census. Mm-hmm. So it is a larger reservation. It's actually home to several different tribes, mm-hmm. which being from New Mexico and tribes are pretty, like the reservations are really like per tribe. Mm-hmm. I, was something that I didn't know. Yeah. You know, um, Jermaine was part of the Salish tribe, the Bitterroot Salish. Yeah. Yep. That area, the tribes are known as the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribe. Okay. Together. Yep. Yeah. And Flathead is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, just incredible. That's I, what you've I been actually me. spent uh, several Fourth of Julys at Flathead Lake, and it's some of the most beautiful stunning um scenery that you'll ever see so i mean i just think that from what we've known about her from other coverage that we've read and things that we've seen about her or heard about her um she really really liked being outside and especially up there it's it's really really nice well yeah she really did um she had just gotten well she was where she was and we'll get into it a little bit but she was going to be a firefighter Mm-hmm. That's what she was there for, is to go ahead and take the pack test. Yeah. On that. You got to be really tough to do that physically. She was so excited. Yeah. You got to be like super tough. Yeah. Yeah. So good for her. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, she loved animals. She wanted one day to have her own farm. Wow. That's cool. I know. Like, she really loved animals. She was a great writer and an amazing artist. She actually, and again, we'll get into it, but she spent some time up in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Yeah. And was inspired by her grandma, Vicky, then to, she wanted to go to art school up in Santa Fe. Yep. So she had, she had dreams for her future. Yeah. You know, like everything that she wanted to be. Yeah. And she was. She was a go-getter. Yeah. And she was super close to her grandma. Like Yaya and Salish. Yeah, Vicky. Yeah, they were like bread and butter. I know, I know. And Vicky, Vicky just passed. She passed this year. I know, I heard about that. I know. But so they were tight. Um, Jermaine had also just started a brand new relationship with this guy, Jacob. Mm-hmm. They'd been together for almost a month, a month ish. Yeah, so at the just time a brand of this. Yeah, like, and they're in that mo- that time where they're like, Super tight. They're spending the a lot of time phase. together. Yeah, they're yeah. like super happy and silly. He was quiet. She isn't. You know. Yeah. She was super social. So he, she was bringing out that that little there side was balance. of him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Their grandma said that she seems super happy. Like yeah. she really liked it's it. Kind of like me and you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let's talk about the day that she disappeared. So we kind of get like a lay of the land. Okay. Um, she talked to her grandma all the time. Like I said, they were super tight. So this is June. Like every day, several oh. times throughout the day. Like, she would every morning. Like besties, yeah. literally. They lived a couple of houses away from each other. Yeah. So every morning her grandma said that she would just walk in and be like, yeah, yeah, like, mm. what's up? <laughs> so that was really, really common. So her grandma knew a lot about what was going on in her life. Yeah. And her mom was in the picture too, but her mom had her own struggles. So she was tight with her grandma. Yeah. So that day, June 15th, Jermaine spoke to her grandmother. Jermaine was in Missoula. Mm -hmm. And so her grandmother knew that she was in Missoula, that Jermaine was planning on staying at, wow, planning on staying at Jacob's house that night. Right. Jacob was not going to be there. 
Right. Jacob was actually going to be like 200 miles away for work, I mm-hmm. believe. So, but even so, she was in town for her work thing. It was going to be closer. She was going to. That take way, she shouldn't have to drive back to Dixon. She right. She could just stay at Jacob's house. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it made more sense to do that. And she was going to take a night on the town and just kind of hang yeah, out. Yeah. Just spend have time. a break from the kiddos. And, yeah. You know, be you a 23 year old. Do her thing. Yeah. Now, that evening she'd been also in contact with Jacob mm-hmm. so they'd been texting they had FaceTime there's that super um like recognizable photo of Jermaine on like her missing posters with the baseball hat with the baseball hat yeah, yeah. and that is actually taken from a still of their video call oh, okay from that night wow so that is like exactly what she was wearing that wow. evening that's eerie it is eerie it is eerie um so they were in contact that night, though, Vicky missed a call from her. Do we know what time that happened? We don't. Okay. I know. I looked everywhere. I could not find I a time. I was just curious because, yeah. you know, that it matters. It does matter. Yeah. And, well, I Maybe I that's wonder... one of those details that the police are trying to keep um, maybe. on the DL right now because it's still an active case. And Well, and Vicky never said. Yeah. I didn't hear any interviews where she gave the time, just that she missed a call in the nighttime. Tried to call her in the morning and couldn't reach her. Right. So the f- next person she called, of course, was Jacob. Mm-hmm. And she was like, have you heard from her? He said, that's super weird. I haven't. Right. I haven't. I actually tried calling her last night, and it sounded like someone picked up the phone and hung it up. See, that's also really eerie. It is really eerie. At that point, alarm bells are starting to go off. Well, and she was super, super active on social media. Like, we're talking Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. TikTok. TikTok. Like, yeah. all of it. And she had posted several videos while she was out, and then nothing. Hmm. That is odd. It's super odd and really concerning. Like yeah. when you're thinking about, like maybe an adult who's just you know taking a break or just like is somewhere else safe. Right. You don't expect their normal stuff they do every day to be that different. Right. So that it was a concern for her family too. So this is Saturday, the sixteenth, when okay. they're trying to figure out if anyone's seen her. Right. Right? So then Vicky starts calling her kids. So it would have been uh, Jermaine's, like, aunts and uncles. Okay. Have you seen her? Do you know where she is? Have you heard from her? We're trying to get the grapevine going and figure out where she is. 100%. Yeah. No one has. So her kids start calling on Sunday. Okay. Wow. So now we're looking at, like, 48 hours. Right. And they start calling... Jails, hospitals, shelters. Whoa. And this, they're all calling places in Missoula because that is the last place that she's known to have right. been. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I, right. A hundred percent. And Dixon's pretty small in terms of like where pe- where she's living. Right. Yeah. I mean, right. I've, I've been through that area and it is tiny. Well, and she's living... That particular part, not the rest of the land Not the reservation area. as a whole. Yeah, right, right. But, but where they were living. Well, and she's living in Dixon Agency, which is like kind of off to the side also. So it's only probably even smaller. A couple hundred people. Yeah. Like it's really small. Yeah. But at the same time, that also means that everyone knows everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. So people, when you say, hey, have you talked to Jermaine? They know who you're talking about. Yeah. Like it's not like a mystery. Right. You know what I mean? And no one's seen her. No one's heard from her. Correct. So at this moment is when they decide that they need to file a missing person. Mm hmm. Okay. This, so she is from the reservation, but she's not currently on tribal land. Right. This is where jurisdiction's going to get wacky, right? So wacky. This and is, it is such this a disservice. This disturbs me because 
It, it could be so much easier. But here we go. Here it's we go. Explain away. So they tried to file a missing person report. And I say tried with like mm-hmm. heavy influence. Right. Okay. The family got bounced around from the city, so Missoula, to the uh-huh. county, from the county to the tribe, and from the tribe back to the city. Oh my God. Like multiple times. Like a loop. 100%. So, and all they care about is finding their loved one in the meantime. Exactly. And they're like, please, just somebody tell us. Right. Who do we talk to? Right. Yeah. So they eventually ended up filing multiple missing persons. Yeah. To multiple places. They're just like... Here's all the information, right. everyone. Right. Please take it. Please help us. So she was reported missing to the Flathead Tribal Police Sunday, June 17th. Okay. So that's the next day. Right. Right. So June 17th. And then she was reported to Missoula City Police Monday, June 18th. Okay. Okay. Now, the family thought that once they reported to the city, that people would be on it. Yeah, that, that maybe a search party would be formed. Right. Or at least and- somebody would know. Or like she's missing. Somebody, like phone calls at bare minimum, something. Right. Yeah. That's not what happened. So when her aunt, Valinda, called to follow up, she was told that she had to go in person to file a paper form. Uh, what? Yeah. Okay, so didn't she do that over the phone? She thought so. Why didn't they tell her then? Exactly. Nobody told her that there was an additional step. They like took the information and let her go. Oh my God. So she, she would have done that, I'm sure. Oh, 100%. Had she known. Well, and she did as soon as she knew. So right. Tuesday, yeah, June 19th, she files the report. Okay. Okay. So remember, she's last seen the night of the 15th. Mm-hmm. So we're already on the 19th. That's like four days have gone by. Time, time is like we're losing serious, serious time oh, here. Serious where, time. Like, the first 48 has already passed. Yep. Now, even though she filed the paperwork, she dropped the paperwork off mm-hmm. on the 19th. It didn't get filed until the 20th. Why? And because it was filed on the 20th, they didn't actually assign a detective to it until the next day. So they're the just 21st. languishing and just messing around. And it just doesn't seem like it was a priority. No, it definitely sounds like it wasn't. Right. Now, at that moment, the detective started doing the things that the family did already. And then, so he's calling the jail. He's calling the hospitals. He's calling the shelters. He's calling her friends. It's got to be so infuriating. Right. And they kept telling, like, we've done that. And he's yeah. like, well, this is what we do the first two days. She's like, we're not in the first two days anymore. Yeah, that time has come and gone. We've bro. done that. Nobody's yeah. seen her. She's and not in jail. And I guarantee you they're, that they're not so busy in Missoula, the police there, that they couldn't have done this already. <laughs> right. It's so small that you could have just, you probably could have driven to all of those places um and literally have gone there and looked for yourself because it's not that big yeah well just wait it gets worse so that detective was only in the office for a single day mm. and then he had a three-day weekend scheduled oh my God. so it just sat why not give the case to somebody else okay. literally anyone else so it just sat until monday the 25th now this detective actually ended up talking to a separate detective guy baker who ended up calling Missoula So this is the first detective hands the case off to Guy Baker? No. Okay. So he's telling Guy Baker about the case. Okay. But Guy Baker calls and requests to be assigned this case. Gotcha. Right. But he gets it Monday the 25th. So we're like 10, 11 days. Oh my God. From the date that she was last missing. So much critical time has gone. Yep. 
Evidence and, has been lost. Yeah. Like so many things have happened at this point. Oh my God. It's insanity. And he seems at this, at this moment. And even now, to be honest, like if you look at the missing poster, the number that's listed there, it's his personal number. Yeah. Like, I've, I've heard on some podcasts, I've heard him talking and he seems like he actually cares about. This right. Case. And he says like, there's, there's so much time. There's yeah. so much time. Now he does back the agency about what was done before he got the case. Oh no, 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 no. Yes. He no, did hundred percent does. Um, says that they did everything that they could have done. No, they definitely did not. I also disagree with that. Yeah. But, you know, here we are. Okay, so in this time, the family looked for other support. They had to. Yeah. They weren't, and obviously, they're not going to sit around. Most families don't. No, you can't you know? even sleep, I'm sure. No. Like, your your loved one is missing. If so, yeah. If that happened to us, we would, there's no way that you could just sit around in your house and what, watch TV, uh, Go about Eat like dinner, things are regular. Like, no, you would no, feel like not. you were losing your mind. No. So they ended up finding this nonprofit, which is prominent in Montana, called the Lifeguard Group. Yeah. You've heard of them? Yep. I hadn't until this case. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't remember how I heard of them initially, but I had heard of them. Yeah, they, they deal specifically with like trying to organize search parties and get like flyers Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So they immediately printed out 500 flyers. They did like what they called like a hasty search. So they just went everywhere. They thought she might've been info blitz. Let's just get this out there and get the ball rolling. Yep. And they even said that they thought they'd find her. Wow. Like they was so quick that the lifeguard group was there that they thought they'd find her that night. Wow. And I mean, we're five years now. Damn. You know, um, but they were doing their best. They did multiple searches, multiple search parties. More than the police were doing. Yeah. And the family is thankful for the lifeguard group, 100%. But they will have also said, like, it's a nonprofit. There are places they can't search. Yeah, it's It's not a federal agency. It's not their job. Well, no. Thank God they're doing it, but it's not their job. I feel like it should be a situation where nonprofits can support the police. Not police come in and maybe support a nonprofit. Like yeah, it that's feels really backwards. so backwards. It feels backwards to me. Yeah, it is. That's just, I mean, how I feel about it, right? I mean, I feel like that's a pretty accurate right. assessment. I know. <laughs> so Guy Baker takes the case and he starts looking at the first person you always look at, right? Is the boyfriend or yep. the spouse, right? Mm-hmm. So immediately calls up Jacob, wants to know where he was that night. Jacob and Jermaine were talking. He was clearly 200 miles away. Like, he wasn't in town. But he knows who Jermaine was with. Huh. Jermaine was with... You know who Jermaine was with. Yeah. Jermaine was with her ex-boyfriend, Michael DeFrance. Mm-hmm. Did I say his last name right? DeFrance. DeFrance. Yeah. I tried to make it fancy. <laughs> DeFrance. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Michael. And I... We're going to talk a lot about Michael... I want to be clear that Michael has not been named in this case in reference to her disappearance. He's a person of interest. Right. But I am not saying that he did anything to her that is not proven. There are other things we're talking about that are fact, Mm -hmm. but that is not a fact at this point. But it doesn't stop him and his activities from being pretty suspicious. Michael's been suspicious since Michael was like 16. Yeah. He's, yeah, anyways, I'll let you. <laughs> no, go jump. ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, uh, it's interesting to me that I know, you know, recently 
Um, he was convicted of some different separate charges, which yep. I'm sure you're going to get to. Yep. And I found it interesting that some of the reference letters that were given about him and things that were said were like, oh, he's a God-fearing man. He's <laughs> that was his attorney. good father. And his family. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. These are references <laughs> that were given to the judge. He would never hurt anybody. Sentence. Yeah, he's so kind and gentle-hearted. Okay. Really, this is a person that likes to do some pretty hideous, hideous things, which oh. I'm sure you're about to talk to. I'm not my favorite person. Yeah, not mine either. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So there's also video from that night. They were able to get one video from the housing authority in Missoula. It's the only one that wasn't already erased. Right. From right. like the bars and stuff. Right. But the bars didn't have it. There's the housing complex uh-huh. that had a video. And right. because it's run by the housing authority, like those last longer. Uh-huh. And you can see throughout the night over several hours actually you can see Jermaine and Michael in did and out they, of the frame did they have plans to meet up or did he just bump into her they did they did mm-hmm. and they huh. were actually together the day before too we'll talk about it okay get yeah. into it let's do it okay so we know that Michael and Jermaine went to three bars that night okay you know um they enter the first bar, the Dark Horse, around 10 p.m. They then go to the Golden Rose before ending up in the Badlander. Okay. The Golden Rose and the Badlander are in the same building. Okay. And the Badlander is the one there. Can, you can see him going in and out on the video. That's the last one? That is the last and one. do we know whereabouts that is, like the street names and things like that? Yes. I want to say it's Peach. Let me I was it. just curious. I do have that, actually. Let me do the history. Yeah, okay. Go for it. And then we'll get the street names. I just have questions. I know, I know. (laughs) Anyways, do your thing. And I do have answers, but I wrote it down further in these notes. (laughs) Sorry, I keep interrupting (laughs) you. No, you're not interrupting me. Do your thing. No, you're not interrupting me. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Jermaine and Michael's relationship. Okay. Okay. Jermaine and Michael met when Jermaine was about 14, 15. Mm-hmm. So super young. Yeah. And he was two or three years older. Mm-hmm. I've seen both. So he was older than she was. It was not awesome from the start. So he actually moved into the house that her best friend used to live in. Um, her best friend was assaulted and her mom moved them out of, of Dixon. So the house was vacant. Michael's family moved in. Okay. And that's how they met. Um, Not that long after they started dating, her grades started to slip. She was skipping school. And her mom actually sent her to live with her grandmother, Vicky, in New Mexico. So they were living in Santa Fe. And they did that for a while. Um, There are lots of interviews where Vicky talks about those years. And Michael would send her letter after letter after letter. And eventually it sounds like he wore her down and she came home. But she was doing great in New Mexico. So definitely a power over scenario and not Uh, so much based in love, but more like obsession. Yeah. 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 Uh, No, a hundred percent. Unfortunately. But she was also like really young. Like there's so much 
everything from like coercion to love bombing to the whole scenario i'm sure and it's crazy to me that she's not she her brain hasn't even fully developed and nor has his and he's behaving this way yeah that's that's a those are some really big red flags mm-hmm. from his side of things. Mm-hmm. Like his behavior seems pretty out of control. At from a really young age. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like that's like if that's how young they I'm are. Sorry, like I no, you're like, fine. You're fine. Um. Yeah. No. Like this. If this is how things are starting. I know. Like if that's the starting. This point, is this is the beginning. We know that domestic violence and control, they escalate. Yeah. So. So we're going to talk, we're going to start at the beginning. So April 13th, 2013. This is the first time that Michael is arrested for abuse against Jermaine. Okay. And I want to say she was 17. Wow. And her mom actually pressed charges. Wow. So she was still a minor. Yeah. Wow. Um, I also want to say that the police officers left her with pamphlets on domestic abuse. Like, that was going to help. What? Yeah, they didn't actually, like... They didn't actually help her. They gave her They gave her two pamphlets. Okay. All right. Wow. I I heard that in a couple of places, and I was like, wow. That's so I can't imagine being 17, being abused. And she... So, Jermaine calls 911, and she says, my boyfriend hit me in the head four times, threw me against the hood of our van threw me to the ground and spat on me. That's what he did to her? And they gave her pamphlets. That's so violent. Yeah, no, it was violent. And so two types of police came, the city and the tribal, because she's tribal, he's city, because he's not indigenous. Oh my God. Right? It's a mess. Right. And so the tribal police actually, there are lots of interviews with them too, the, the responding police officers. And they said, we knew she needed help, but she was in this weird gap where because he was not under tribal jurisdiction, they didn't have all the resources they could have had if he was indigenous and it was a crime between two indigenous people. Yeah, so we're protecting the white guy here. That's just, that's what it sounds like to right. me. Well, and when they arrested Michael, remember she said to the 911 operator that she was hit three times, four times. Mm-hmm. Michael says, I only hit her three times. Oh, okay. You're yeah. such a great guy. And only... Twice with a closed fist. Right. So the throwing and the striking but and the also spitting. Only and... twice with a closed fist in the face? Yeah, no, none of that is good. Right. And the police officer says to Jermaine, here, hold this quarter while I take pictures so they of your injuries. So that can... Yeah. Why didn't they take her to a hospital? So the pictures of her are like her holding this quarter while she's looking down and they're taking pictures of her injuries and she's like holding her hair out of her face. Oh my God. Yeah. At 17. At 17. Jesus God. Yeah. But it was only three times. That shocked me. Yeah. Okay. Michael. Like Mr. He's so kind. He's so loving. He wouldn't hurt a fly. No. He's a God fearing man. This was the clearly not God fearing enough. I mean, or yeah, I mean, that's the patriarchy. You're right. Yeah. So this is the first time that he's arrested for abuse against Jermaine, but this is not the first domestic incident he's had. He had one prior to this when he was a minor, so that file is sealed. What? Yeah. With, like, a different girl? I don't know. It's sealed. Right. It could have been violence against a parent. Oh, my God. So this guy is just unhinged. Uh, 100%. 100%. Okay. Yeah. So this is his second conviction. So that means that he had to surrender his firearms, mm-hmm. which is a federal 
thing. You have to surrender your firearms. You had to pay a fine and attend 40 hours of treatment. Okay. Now, one of the things I think we don't talk about a lot is like what happens to the abuse victim in this time. Right. Because he's not in jail. They live together in a camper. Yeah, a small one. Yeah. And so a lot of her friends talk about this time where she, like, the days that Michael would have to go to therapy, she were, like, high-anxiety days for her. Like, she'd make sure the house was clean, dinner was cooked, like, would not give him any reason to explode because if he was going to, it was going to be those days. That's so crazy. Yeah, and he would say things to her like, this is your fault, I have to do this. Like, even, like, like he's not the one. Right. No, abusers never take responsibility right. well, for their he, own actions. Also, keep in mind that it is not up to the victim to press charges. No, that's in most states. It happens automatically. Well, it's up to the off- responding officers can decide. Yeah. So, like, none of the... Even, for a million reasons, none of that is Jermaine's fault. Yeah, he should have kept his hands to himself. Yeah. F- for all the times. Yes. For all the times. Okay. So, on, like, around June or July 2014. Okay. So, next year. Some time has passed. Yep. He was arrested for assaulting Jermaine's aunt. What? Yeah. So, there, Jermaine's aunt is in the shower. She hears Jermaine come in. She's crying. She wraps, so the aunt wraps a towel around herself, finds Jermaine huddled in a corner. Oh, my God. And then... Michael like kicks the door and is screaming and she tells him to get out and he grabs her while she's still in just a towel and throws her outside and ends on top of her. What? Yes. Yeah. So this woman is showering and this guy kicks the door in and then assaults her. Yes. And then says that it was her that climbed on his back. Oh, sure. Oh, see. (laughs) (laughs) I know what I do whenever I take a shower and people kick in my door. Also, like, I like to roll all over them because that's normal. Can you imagine like taking a shower? Your, your niece, niece's boyfriend busts well, the door. Your niece in. is crying in the corner, so you yeah, come out no. of the shower and then you just what jump on some guy's back in a towel, all naked. <laughs> that's so insane. He just right. lies. Yeah, um, I don't know what like what happened is not clear. I don't know if charges got dropped or like, or like whatever the outcome yeah, was there. Yeah. Unclear. Unclear on that one. Okay. November 28th, 2014. Jermaine calls 911 to advise that her and Michael have been in an argument and that Michael took her phone, dropped it in water, and then broke it. So this is only, what, is that like six months later? Yeah. June, July. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not that long after the ant incident. Correct. Okay. So we're... We're ramping up. We're escalating. Well, and yeah. keep in mind, as a, as a victim of abuse, like these are the moments that you were brave enough. Oh, I'm to sure. Call. We're, I'm sure there were other incidents. Well, but yeah. these are just the ones that the cops are hearing about. Right. This is the tip of the iceberg. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Not to mention the amount of times that her family and friends saw her with bruises. Right. Right. Um, so, it's in this scenario. It's up to the police to decide whether or not to press charges. So if they determine that Michael broke her phone so that she could not call for help, mm-hmm. that is a chargeable offense. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. This is not the first time that Michael broke her laptops, her tablets, her phones all the time. Like he hated her being in contact. 
Yeah. But the responding officer decided the matter was civil, not criminal, and left. How is that civil? They decided that he didn't break it so that she couldn't call for help. And how did he know this magically? That's an awesome question, especially with the history of abuse in this house. Yeah, no, all you have to do is like pull up Michael's record and you could see that he was being abusive and therefore you could come to the conclusion that if Jermaine is telling you he dropped my phone in the water so I couldn't call for help, that she's most likely telling the truth. Right. Well, and I, you That's hear... boy math at its finest. <laughs> you hear a lot of people will say things like, why, why don't you leave? Right. Like you, that number one thing, if somebody's never been in an abusive relationship, friendship or otherwise, right. They'll say, why don't you leave? Putting the onus on the victim. Like it's that simple. Yeah. But also like going further back in Jermaine's life, like she watched her mom be abused by her boyfriends, Mm -hmm. you know, like she stayed at her mom's house, but stayed often at her great grandparents' house when Mm -hmm. things got bad at home. So she's been a witness to physical violence 50% of women on indigenous reservations in this country suffer from domestic abuse by their partners. Like one out of every two. It's such a high number. It's like 10 times higher than the average. It's insanity. Yeah. So like, that's what happens when you destroy whole people groups. Is that their societies disintegrate? Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Um, they experience domestic violence 2.5 times higher. They're missing. 10 times higher. It's still a really high number. It's, it's terrible. So she, but also she's been in that relationship with him since since she was a child. She was 14. And back to your point of how people think it's so easy to get out of scenarios like that. It took me years to get away from an abusive partner. Well, and that is, you've experienced that as well. It takes so much to get away. It's the most dangerous time. Like the time, the two most dangerous times when you're leaving an abusive relationship is when you finally decide to leave Mm -hmm. and you actually go. Yep. And when you get into a new relationship. Yep. Yeah. Which she was doing. Yeah. Those things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. She had, yeah, we'll get into it, but it was a year. She'd been separated from Michael for a year, but just got into a new relationship. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if he, if, she, if he knew that she was dating someone. She did, he didn't. He hmm. didn't. Um, she's explicitly stated to her boyfriend that she was keeping it a secret. Probably for her own safety. Yeah. Would be my guess. Yeah. I mean, that's terrifying. Yeah. That's terrifying. Especially after everything that he'd already put her through. Yeah. Right? Like, she's finally happy. You kind of want to save that slice for yourself. Yeah. Of happiness. Yeah. You know? Okay. So, Jermaine had a YouTube channel. Have have you seen it? I've seen some clips of it. Okay. Just little short ones. Um, Where she talks about how she's supposed to be a housewife, and, like, Michael leaves for weeks at a time, and... There are videos of her crying her eyes out, saying how lonely she is. She's stuck in that camper. Yeah. She's in the middle of nowhere. Well, she's stuck in a camper across the street from his family. So they're mm-hmm. living... Well, they're living on the same property. Right. And she's only houses away from her grandma and her cousins and her... You know? But that's not how it feels when no, you're in an abusive situation. I'm sure she feels like she is trapped. It, yep. Like all the doors are locked, like the windows windows are locked. And it might as well be a million miles. Yeah. 
Seriously. Yeah. And so that's where we're at, you know, yeah. like you're in a crowd of people, but you feel like you're on an island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's it's really a, evident. That is a terrible, terrible feeling. Yeah. That's really evident in those videos. But April 16th, 2017, she gets a job. She gets a job as a tree planter for the tribal forest service. Awesome. Yeah. That's a dope job. She loves being outside. Yeah. She was super excited and she's gaining some independence. Good for her. She can finally do some things on her own for herself. Get it. Right? Yeah. May 27th, 2017. So just over a month later, later, after she's gotten some independence, Mm -hmm. you know, she posts on Facebook that Michael threatened her. Mm -hmm. So she's outing Michael. And I've, the quote that I saw was, so you think it's cool to be in a relationship with an abusive person. It's not. Um, but Michael threatened her saying that he would find their kids a new mom. What? Yeah. Cause at this point they have two. find them a new mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, feels like a threat to me. That's definitely a threat. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. That's, I'm kind of stunned by that statement. Yep. That's such a horrible thing to say to somebody. Mm-hmm. Also. That, had you heard that one before? No, I hadn't. Yeah. That's so scary. And, and I can like. You can like hear him Yeah, I was just going to say like. like calm and like creepy. Yeah. And like, oh yeah, like, you want to do that? I'll just find my kids a new mom. Got like, it. Oh, the yeah. nature of abuse. I don't like it. Yeah. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> May 30th. 2017, Jermaine um, and Michael go together to a concert in Bozeman. Okay. So they're not like together together, but they have kids together. Right. You know? Um, so she might just be trying to be like civil and keep him from like flipping out all the there, time. Right. There is that thing where like, and we'll talk about custody mm-hmm. um, as well as we go through this, but like, it's fight, flight, fawn, or freeze, right? So she's, she's fawning. fawning a lot. She's fawning. Trying, yep. to keep, trying not to ruffle the feathers and keep the, the waters nice and calm. Right. But that's the thing about abusers, too, is that it doesn't matter what you do because it isn't you. That's right. the problem. It is them. Right. And no matter how hard she tries, it's never going to be good enough for him. No. Unfortunately. Not. Unfortunately. Um, on the way home, and this content warning this is this is tough it was tough for me to read um it's gonna be tough okay okay on the way home jermaine says to police later okay that michael pushed her out of a moving vehicle on the i-90 whoa on the freeway Mm -hmm. and left her there she had her phone and I, i don't know if she didn't have like cell service but she had data but she posted on facebook asking anybody to try to contact her family to come get her from the Whoa. side of I-90. Whoa. And in a lot of places in Montana, a lot of people don't know this, but there aren't speed limits on the on large portions <clears> of the highway there. So who knows how fast they were going. Yeah. Like that, that could have, he could have killed her. Yeah. Yep. Why did you do that? Why would you do that to anybody that you ever cared about past or present? The mother of your children. Yeah. Like, no matter what somebody does to you, 
you can't throw them out of a vehicle like on the that interstate and leave them abandoned in the I middle of nowhere. I can't even imagine nowhere. how dark it feels like oh, it would be okay, so, so dark. Let me explain what that would be like. There are a lot of like really large mountains in Montana and at night if you're on the freeways there are trees everywhere. So imagine you're on this like highway. It's not like here where there's going to be a million cars going like if you're headed to Santa Fe there's cars everywhere yeah. and there's city lights pretty, you know, yeah. for most of the way there's going to be lights, right? right? This would not be like that. This would be like Ugh. trees, mountains, darkness. That sounds really sad and lonely and terrifying. Terrifying. But like all like, of those things. Because I've been camping up there plenty of times. And even when you're with your own family, there are those moments where you're like, we are ants in this world. Right. Like, because it's so massive there. Um, and she was, you know, thrown out of a moving car by somebody that she used to love. Yeah. Like, the betrayal, like... I can't imagine. It breaks my heart. Yeah. So did somebody come get her? Yes, but I don't know who. Okay. And say, um, Michael is arrested, but the case is eventually dismissed. I don't know why. <sighs> this guy, they keep giving him chances. Of course they do. Because he's do. the white guy. And he's the white guy, and we're dealing with federal and tribal. Yeah. Right? Or state and she's, tribal. She's fallen through the, the cracks, people. Right. It's happening. Right. And he's failing upwards. Of course. Of course. Um, during this time, though, when he's arrested before he's dismissed, Jermaine tries to get her kids from his family, and they refuse to give them to her. Wait, her babies? Mm-hmm. They just won't let her have her yep. babies? Yep. What Under what grounds? But she's also so young and so abused at this point. You know, I don't even know if she realized that she had, like... All the power? Options. Yeah. Right. Yeah, well, when you're being made to feel powerless all the time, right? it's very hard right. to do. Yeah. Wow. She also, and I didn't get a date on this one, but I've seen it referenced multiple times, but she okay. also makes a Facebook post talking about how he choked her and how, like, she didn't have any, well... So they were arguing, and he threw her against a pull-up bar and choked her against the bar. Oh, my God. And how she didn't have any marks, but she felt it all day. It's probably that hyoid bone. She probably had a oh fracture God, in that bone. Oh, God. That's so painful. Right. And I learned this during some research, and I didn't know, but tracking domestic violence cases, trying to find the common denominators in escalation, Right. right. Being strangled by your abuser mm -hmm. increases the rate of homicide, the chance of being murdered by them by 750%. Yeah, it's an insanely high statistic when somebody right. decides they want to start choking you, right. especially if you start losing consciousness. Right. If they choke you to the point where you're starting to pass out, um, you're That's... very, 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 very much in danger. And if you can, you've got to get away from right. them. Right. And I cannot believe I didn't say this. When Jermaine was in her auntie's house and she's she's with the towel, mm -hmm. Jermaine's eight and a half months pregnant. Oh my God. Which is also another statistic. Like if they're going to abuse you physically mm -hmm. while mm -hmm. you are pregnant, 
yeah. the next step is usually homicide. Yeah, like that mean, is in the pipeline for you. I know that you know this about my particular story, yeah. but I was assaulted while I was pregnant by my ex-partner, and it was one of the most insane experiences I've ever had. And that feeling, she had to have felt so... I felt really betrayed. Like, here I am, pregnant. Right. With a baby that belongs to me and that person. Right. And they're now assaulting me. Right. And they were actually, like, pressing on my pregnant belly really, really hard. And um, you just feel so betrayed. Like, how could you do that to me and this tiny tiny baby because I was three months pregnant right so like at the beginning of my pregnancy and I can only imagine how she felt when she was almost full term right like you've you've gone through all of this difficulty your baby's about to be born and it's I'm sure the sense of betrayal for her was overwhelming and the sense of like I have to protect this baby Mm -hmm. like what like yeah Absolutely. Like both this, both and Those at the same time. That's a lot. Are really, really strong. Which is probably why she ran to her aunt's house. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. So I'm sorry to go back on the timeline, but no, no, no. That's an important that. detail yeah. that we don't want to leave out. Right. Um, so, okay. So we were just at the concert. So this is July 29th, 2017. Jermaine calls police. Because she said that she did invite him over, the kids are over, but then he got quote unquote handsy with her and he refused to leave the house. It is her house. Mm-hmm. At this point, she has a house. She calls the police and at that point, he takes the kids. The police come, but because there's no custody arrangement, mm-hmm. they leave. So she, he's got her babies. Yep. Okay. Yep. So this wow. is July 2017. Sometime in the fall 2017. I don't have the actual court date. And she can't get them back. She goes to court. Okay. In the fall of 2017. A custody agreement. Custody was granted to Michael. Oh my God. So no, not only was custody granted to Michael and she How does have. How is it that these pieces of shit always end up with the kids? How the <laughs> fuck do you, how can you justify that? Abuse isn't just like in a vacuum. Well, if mean, a man is willing to abuse a woman, he's going to abuse those children. Yep. And like, that is a fucking fact. And how is it that this, that our court system has not figured that out? Like How? Please tell me how. He's gotten these, like, I'm sorry, like, bullshit attorneys. Like, the first time that he was arrested for assaulting her, his attorney tried to say that, like, if they were a same-sex couple, he wouldn't have been arrested, so he shouldn't be arrested now. Like, Uh, like he's... That's, first of all, not true. It was true at the time in Montana. (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I know. Not, it doesn't matter but though, like, because like you should be arrested. I'm sorry. If you put your hands on your partner, you should be arrested. Right. Period. I'm just saying that he has like, yes. And he has these bullshit attorneys that are pulling out these like fucked up things. And he, you know, and he's it's probably one of those men's rights attorneys oh that you find. God, on the don't even get me started on those. Oh, I know. They're like the worst. And okay. And they all think that they're these great, great up guys when they're like the worst most abusive pieces of shit like i'm sorry what rights don't you have like i'm talking about like uh 
like people like uh, what was that old Julia Roberts um, movie? Oh yeah, Sleeping with the Enemy. Guys like that that are just fucking creepy. And like, if you don't put the hand towel correct, like you're gonna get the shit kicked right, out of you. Right. Right. Ew. I know. Okay, so he gets custody of the kids. And she has to pay child support. $800 a month. Um, Which, based on her rate of pay, was completely unfeasible. Wow. Yeah. They're not supposed to be able to take more than a certain percentage of your wages. I don't know. I don't know if it's different on tribal land. I don't know if it's different because he is and, like, he's not indigenous. and she, Like, I have no idea. But, yeah, they he got custody. She has to pay. Huh. Uh-huh. Wow. She also had no legal representation present for her. But she probably couldn't afford an attorney. Yeah. And his family probably paid for his. Yep. <sighs> so fall 2017, so after, like, a couple of weeks after the court date for custody, her grandmother and her aunt see bruises on her face and arms, and she confesses that Michael did that to her. Wow. Right. Yep. And now I think it's important to know too that like upon arrest you are granted usually a temporary order of protection, you know, and it's supposed to help with knowing that you have a safe place or not supposed to come back. And like one, it's just a piece of paper and most of them come back anyway with yeah. or without it. But also they're only granted in most cases for 72 hours. Yeah, it's like a temporary order of protection. After going through like trauma like that, you don't even breathe again for 72 hours, let alone make a plan for yourself. Well, we know that this guy likes his guns. Yep. And we already know that uh, she's probably feeling like the law is on his side. Well, she calls and calls and nothing happens. Yeah. So what? So what? Right? Yeah. Why would, why would she keep calling? They're not helping her. Yep. They've just given her children to him. Yep. She's now paying child support. Like, the system is definitely against her. Yep. Like, for sure. Yep. And, like, with that, late 2017, she's hospitalized for an attempt on her own life. Wait, she does Mm -hmm. that to herself? Yep. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay. Think about that. Well, she said it. She she said to her friend, and it's a quote. She said, uh, "My kid's dad has been a problem, and it's hurting me." Like, wow. So, like, she went from like having a new job and having two beautiful babies, and to losing her babies, playing child support. Like, he's just systematically ripping her life apart. Yep. And like from the time she was little and her friends talk about this too, like all she wanted was like that nuclear family, like that stable family. She wanted the kids and the partner. And now she's lonely and alone again. Only it's worse than that. Yeah. Because her babies are not there. Right. And she's got this gaping wound now. And every now and again, he just comes and beats the shit out of her. I fucking hate this guy. Yeah. I have to say. Yep. Yep. Wow. December 9th, 2017, Michael gets engaged. What? Yep. She makes a post on Facebook congratulating him on his engagement. Okay. So why is he still messing with her? Because if I can't have you, right? No one can. Oh, my God. 
knows. Yeah. I mean, we see that a lot. Yeah, we do. We see that, like, not... But I it's don't, still, it still is just literally so right? stomach-turning. Yeah. Well, also, who is this girl that's now deciding to be with him after his horrible treatment of the mother of his children? Well, let's be like, honest. that's a big red flag. I mean, she probably doesn't know. We see that a lot, too. We see, like... He's a master manipulator of situations. I don't know how young she is. She could be super young. Yeah. And he, she's probably being well, told. Okay, so I'm going to give everybody. This is a a special bulletin. <laughs> <laughs> if you are a young person that's listening to this right now, and you start dating somebody that has kids, and they talk a lot of trash about the other parent, Unless there's some valid reason for that, like I'm talking like a real valid reason for that, that's a red flag. If it's a man and he's sitting there and he's trashing the mother of his children and you look at her and and all you see is a normal person, that's a big red flag. Well, and in this case, he had the receipts. Courts awarded him custody. She's paying child support. Yeah, but she could just get a background check and boom. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I am, do your fucking homework. Just be careful. I have made my checks. mistakes. I I have made. This is how I know these things is because I've made those mistakes, and I'm telling people for their own benefit. Yeah, do the background check. Yeah, just pay the two dollars or whatever. Which I mean, yeah. Anyways, go on. Yeah. Okay. All right. December sixteenth, twenty seventeen. Jermaine starts a new job. She's a bartender. Okay. Yeah. And she's a bartender at Big River Cantina, which is like a local bar in Dixon. Okay. And she really likes it, yeah. for all accounts. And she's super personable, so yeah, it was a good fit. It was a good fit. June 9th, 2018. So we're coming up to the day. Okay. Because she's last seen June 15th, 16th, okay. right now and then. June 9th, she changes her Facebook status to in a relationship. Okay. That is the last post she makes on Facebook before she vanishes. Wow. Yep. But we're not done with timeline, okay? Because the next day, well, the day before she goes missing, June 14th, she and Michael attend a monster truck rally. And she doesn't post about it, but lots of people saw them. Um, Did they have the kids with them? It doesn't say. Okay, but it probably was for the benefit of the kids, right? So she's trying to be personable, it sounds like. I don't know that that's true. Huh. And the reason I say that is because after the truck rally, Jermaine asks Michael to drop her off at the Orange Street Food Farm. Right. Which is where this comes in. Uh-huh. Yep, which is why later on he says, oh, I dropped her off here all the time. Right. Right. So he has her drop... He She, she has, has him, him yeah, drop her you. off at the Orange Street you. Food Farm because her boyfriend lives not super far from there. I don't know that she would have done that if they had the kids. Okay. I don't gotcha. know. Maybe she would have. I don't know that to be true either way. Right. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know either. Um, but he's definitely a jealous person. Yep. She ran. She's seen by her boyfriend, Jacob, running down the alley towards his own apartment. Okay. And Michael is screaming after her, asking her if she has a boyfriend. What? Yeah. That's none of his business at this point. No. He's engaged. Nope. And like, then get on with your life, dude. Yeah. And so Jacob later says, like, 
at that moment is when Jermaine said that, you know, she was keeping their relationship a secret from Michael. That gets the law enforcement to file a warrant, like a, a request for a search warrant on July 13th, 2018. Because they feel that if she was keeping that relationship a secret, that she had reason to be afraid. Of Michael. Correct. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, that's later, but you know, <laughs> just so you know. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that night. When yeah. I said we went to the, the bars and stuff now that we're like, we're eh, in the it past now. to now. Yeah. Okay. So now we're at the date, June 15th, 2018. Like I said, they went to three bars, the Dark Horse, the Golden Rose, and the Badlander. The mm-hmm. last two were in the same building. The, everyone saw her playing pool. She loved to play pool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> and that she was, like, really good at it, too. Yeah. And when people were, like, trying to do the searches and see, they'd be like, have you seen Jermaine? They'd be like, yeah, she plays pool. Like, yeah. 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 Like, she really liked to do that. She's she like apparently was really good at it. person. And, yeah. And again, Missoula is small. So yep. if you hang out downtown, people are going to know who you are. Yep. Because guess what? It's a small community. Even though it's a city, technically. Yep. It's going to be, like... Oh, yeah, I know that person, or I've seen that person around because there's only so many people to see around, period. Right. Like, you're going to be familiar with the faces that come and go in that general area, yep. most likely. Yep. Um, so the Badlanders on Ryman Street mm-hmm. in Missoula, um, it was like the alley behind, though, so not necessarily right. like a street name, well, per se. Wasn't, wasn't there a camera back there, too? Yeah, the housing authority. So it okay, wasn't actually... So that was the camera. Yeah, that we're, that's okay. the only camera. Uh, yeah, I've heard about that. Okay, go yeah. on. Sorry. Yep, and the Badlander doesn't... It's not there anymore. Okay, they're out of business. Yeah. Gotcha. I want to say, like, the the whole strip is something else now. Okay. Like, I think that doesn't even look as it did at that moment, if I recall. Okay. So they... There was a bartender at the Badlander that... Mm-hmm. When people were going back, which was two years later, to talk, still remembered her. Yeah. And remembered her and Michael. Yep. And they said that they weren't sitting close enough to be like a couple couple. Right. Like they weren't like touching or anything. Like that wasn't the vibe. Right. And she was way more interested in her phone than him mm-hmm. because she was talking to Jacob. Well, and on if I recall, that guy was actually kind of interested in Jermaine and that's why he remembered her. Yeah, he said she was beautiful. Yeah, he said he couldn't keep his eyes off her. Right. She was like stunning. All the men say that. Yeah. And so he was <laughs> yeah. like paying attention. Yeah. And that's actually kind of a good thing because he's able to give this account of right. what happened. Right. And yeah. the one thing we don't, what he said is I wasn't close enough to see what she was doing on her phone, but we know that she was talking to Jacob. Right. You know? Um so, yeah, she was way more interested in Jacob than she was in Michael. Right. Yeah, Michael's I mean, being a douche. Douche canoe. <laughs> like, um, and we also know that Michael hates it when she's on the phone. So I don't know if maybe that was like a little... Dig, dig, dig. Yeah. 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 I, I'm not super sure why they were hanging out. I don't know if she was trying to keep the peace like we were talking about, like... Yeah, who even knows? Yeah, but, you know. She could just be trying to appease him. Uh, yep. Again, with the phoning. It's yep. a survival technique. Yep, it is. It is. Um, so, again, you can see walking down the alley from that housing authority camera, you see Jermaine come out. 
she talks to a lot of people like and michael's just kind of in the background hands in pockets he's wearing a baseball cap as well and just being a creeper oh my god the worst like everyone got terrible vibes like her family didn't like him hearing about that interview with the bartender and he was like yeah that guy was creepy man yeah yeah like yeah but you can see them like turn the corner and that is the last verified sighting of her of her yep it's like dipped into the night and then what like what happened after that Mm, there's so much i would like to say but i don't want us to get sued (laughs) yeah so there's that there's there is that. But I'm really glad to know that that detective, uh, Guy Baker, is on this. And still, it is recent that he has said that there is definite new information oh, within and the that last, they are getting um, very close. Like September to 25th, this 26th of this which, year. Oh, that's so great. Mm-hmm. I want her to get justice so I do bad. Too. I want her family so to get justice. Bad. I want her babies to know. Yeah, for real. I want her babies to be safe. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um. So. There are reports, predominantly Michael, saying that she was last seen between midnight and 1 a.m. June 16th between Russell and Orange Street. I know exactly where that is. Yep. Now, what Michael, because, you know, Grandma Vicky's on it, right? Mm -hmm. She already called. She called Jacob. So she called Michael. Yeah. And was like, you were with Jermaine. Yeah. What's up? And he said, oh, I dropped her off at the Orange Street food market. Market. Yeah. Food hall? No, it's it's a food market. Food market. Um, and that is not... First of all, that's not where he dropped her off. But it's also not open at that time. Well, but he had dropped her off in the parking lot before because she was walking to her boyfriend's house. Right. That's not where he dropped her off this time. He dropped her off in the residential like 10 blocks down. Okay. Supposedly. No, we know that for a fact. The law enforcement has said that she was dropped 10 blocks away. Okay. The cell phone records. Okay. So, or a witness, I'm not sure. But he did not drop her off at the food farm. Mm-hmm. That did not happen. That That's fact. So, do you think that she had him drive her to Jacob's? Like, to the door? I don't think she did. But I think he already knew. Yeah, because he's a creeper. Right. He's probably been stalking her. Right. And that street has no street lights. It is dark. Again, if you've never been there, it's a massive, massive amount of land and mountains and trees. Even in Missoula, like once it's dark, there's street lights, of course. But depending on where you are in the city, it is very, very, very dark. And the sky is just, it's its called Big Sky Country. And yeah. at night, it is incredibly dark it feels crushing it does yeah at times at night especially it can be really like the beautiful. weight of the darkness in the right setting it's very beautiful in the wrong setting it's terrifying this is terrifying yeah this is terrifying so june 16th the day that she was last seen you know she was seen at midnight on mm-hmm. june the 16th so that morning mm-hmm. her phone pings off of a cell tower near michael's house Okay, that seems a bit fishy. A little bit, a little bit, especially since she's not with him. Yeah, <laughs> why does he have her right. phone? So so weird, so weird. So that is information that was included in another 
search warrant application that happens a little bit later on because it seems fishy. Okay, so that's on June 16th. Mm-hmm. Can we go through the missing timeline? Are we going to go through that again? What do you mean? Like her family? Um, yes. Okay. We'll go through it again. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you're fine. You're fine. So we'll do that right now. Okay. Right now. So her family reports her missing to tribal police June 17th. Okay. Missoula police June 18th. Okay. They file the missing report June 19th. Remember? Because they had to actually go in and like... Fill out the paperwork. Fill out the form. Even though they told them about it already. Right. Why haven't they like typed it up? Right. So they turn in the form, but they don't actually file it until the 20th. Right. And then because they filed it on the 20th, they don't get a detective on it until the 21st. Right. And then that guy goes on a three-day weekend. Uh-huh. And so the 25th rolls around, which is like 10 or 11 days, depending on whether you say she was seen on the 15th or 16th last. Right. Right. That's. It's so long. It's so long. Before Guy decides that he, he hears about it and is like, I would like that, please. Yeah. But the 16th. So before her family even knows, like, like her grandmother just was trying to call her. Right. You know what I mean? Her phone is pinging near Michael's house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she was supposed to be dropped off between midnight and 1 a.m. And Michael lives way out. He doesn't live in Missoula. No, he lives in he lives on the reservation. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So if she was dropped off in Missoula and the phone is pinging near Dixon, that's a problem. That's a big problem. Especially yeah. since she was staying she was staying in Missoula at, at her boyfriend's place. house. Yeah. Yeah. Alone because Jacob was not there. Right. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Super weird. Yeah, super yeah. weird. So But sure, he's a stand up guy. Yeah, so great. Never hurt anybody. Never so. heard a fly. Only Jermaine. Oh my god. That makes my stomach roll. Yeah. So June twenty seventh, twenty eighteen, the first search warrant application goes in okay okay so they're searching they want the warrant to search for Jermaine's property including her phone okay and they cite Verizon records showing that it pinged near the house right right later Michael told the police that he he had Jermaine's phone after he dropped her off but he destroyed it just for funsies yeah it was like "Mm, just dispose of it right Again, that's not fishy at all. Right? Okay, if you think she's coming back, mm-hmm. why would you destroy the phone? Wait, I thought he was going to get his kids a new mom. What the fuck? It's so weird. Oh, what a weird guy, thing to do. Oh, why is he still walking the streets? And he's gone. I don't know. So July 13th, 2018. So like two-ish weeks, just over two weeks later, a second search warrant application uh-huh. is filed. And what they want is Jermaine's EBT records. So they want to try to look at her financial activity. Okay. Because she was dropped off near the food farm. They just want to get a timeline. Like see if she's spent any money on food. Yep. Or purchased anything else. Yep. Um, They use the basis on the fact that they want the financial records and the fact that the person she was last seen with, Michael, and herself had a violent history. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mean he had a violent history towards her? Yes. Yeah. There was only one time 
that she hit him. She was probably defending herself would be my guess. Yes. So it was at her grandmother's house or her aunt's house. I can't remember. But they were all sitting around mm-hmm. and he came in screaming for her and she beat the shit out of him in the house. And the, one of the cousins tried to stop her and her auntie said, no, this is my house. He came in here. You let her finish. Oh my God. She did. <laughs> so, that happened okay. just one time. You probably deserved it. Anyways. Yeah. I guess that probably makes us bad, bad feminists. Not condoning violence. <laughs> We're bad feminists. That did happen once. Um, August 1st, 2018. This is the third search warrant application, and they're trying to get location information from Google for Michael. Oh, yep. okay. So that would allow the police to extract data from his phone, including his Google account. So because the Google yeah. account is more accurate. The Googler coming in clutch. <laughs> the Google, <laughs> like, it's more, the location information from Google is more accurate than cell towers. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. Yep. It's going to be tracking everything. Yep. So and Google right down to your bowel movements, Michael. <laughs> Google does turn over location history. Good, yeah, as it should. Oh, that's <laughs> our kitty. That's our that's our grumpy meow meow. Is it dinner time? He's yelling. It's midnight snack time almost. <laughs> <laughs> Bossy pants. His name's Oreo. He's a pain. Well, there he is again. Anyways, He's gonna yell. Yeah. <laughs> um, where was it? Oh, August 2nd. So the next day? Yeah. The next day, a fourth search warrant application goes Whoa, in. Oh, so we're up to four now. We're up to four. And they're looking for more information from Google. And the, in that application, it states they have reason to believe that a crime of homicide has been committed. And up until that point, they all said unlawful restraint. This is the first one that says they believe that it was that a homicide. Dead. Right. Oh, my God. Yep. Which, ooh, I got goosebumps. That's pretty early on. So they must have had... Okay, so in order to have a search warrant signed by a judge, you have to have a pretty good reason to think that. Yes. And you have to explain yourself Yep. to the judge uh, yep. when you write it up. And in this warrant, they also request for 10-day surveillance of Michael's property. Okay. And his parents' property. Yeah. Yeah, including infrared photography and drones. Yeah, because they live on a pretty big area if i recall they thought that there was a bunker under a flower bed remember Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they were looking for like bunker storage areas any other areas that they dirt that's been turned over recently things like that yep so they said in the warrant that they believe it is likely that michael will move to like a grave site or a stash location on his property or tamper with evidence related to the event like to what to her homicide Yeah. yeah um but unfortunately, he's had a lot of time to clean up after himself. Because why? Because the police took a very long time to get their asses in gear. So let's just be real about this. Yeah. Whatever he did, allegedly. Well, and there's no return on this um, warrant. I don't know if that surveillance took place. I'm, I'm pretty sure it did. Well, I know that at this time, if, well, if I recall, people were watching the Google uh, maps like the world oh like google satellite right you remember like yeah. do you remember when that was happening and people were saying that they thought oh, like, they saw like, don't fuck with cats how they did that yeah well yeah. they thought they saw the dad or mom go into a bunker under the flower mm-hmm, bed mm-hmm. well that? and i'm pretty sure um connie walker talked about that which she's a badass so yeah yeah 
Yeah. And we'll reference her many, again. Many, but props to her. Yeah. A lot of this information, especially the family stuff, comes from that podcast stolen. Yeah. The Search for Jermaine. She is incredible. Yeah. And she's won a lot of awards for this one, but she also does like Surviving St. Michael. and Yeah. Know, she's incredible. Finding Cleo. Like just an yeah. outstanding journalist. Yeah. No, she really is. She really is. Okay. Where was I? Okay. So July... I think you said the 27th. Right. No, right. I thought, were you in August August already? We're in August. We're in August 2nd. That was me. So October 2018, they searched the property. The DeFrance property? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, The FBI brings in cadaver dogs. Cadaver. Cadaver from the (laughs) East Coast. Cadaver dogs. (laughs) Cadaver dogs. (laughs) Wow. What? Most most of the time, you sound like you're from California, but today you're like from Jersey. I like to mix it up. Cadaver dogs. (laughs) FBI brings in cadaver dogs. Cadaver dogs. And they um, find several items with blood on them. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. Turned over to the crime lab. Inconclusive. But, uh, okay. Yeah. What items did they find that were. Doesn't say. Okay. They're probably keeping that if it ever goes to trial. Yeah. Yeah. True that. But inconclusive. Hmm. I find that. I mean. We can get DNA off of so many things, though. Maybe it was mixed, that. or maybe it was there was a cleaning agent, and it's degraded. I don't know. Huh. But this okay. was inconclusive to Jermaine. Okay. All right. Good oh. to know. So it neither is or isn't. Okay. June 13th, 2019, next year, mm-hmm. the reward money increases to 10000 For information? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And that is voted on by the tribal council. Okay. And it was based on a request from her aunt. Okay. Yep. And I know that during that entire time, Guy Baker is furiously looking for answers for the family. And part of this... He is, like, emotionally invested in this case. Uh Yep. Against all better judgment, against all warnings from, like, people to just keep a cool head or whatever. Yep. He's in this now. Yep. I've heard him talk about it and he's definitely committed to this case. Well, and as part of like the request to increase the reward money amount was also a request to keep the billboard up for another six months mm-hmm. um, with Jermaine's photo on it. And on that billboard is guy's phone number. Good. You know, um, they had their one year, like her, I want to say they did her birthday at her billboard. Wow. Yeah. That's... And they did it one year as well. Sad. Yeah. And yeah. her kids are with this guy and his family this entire time. Yep. That's horrendous. It's been five years, so they're, what, almost nine, or they're nine and seven and a half? He has probably told them so many lies about her. Oh, those poor babies. And their littlest one's probably too young to see that kind of damage, that kind of trauma to children. That's like lifetime stuff that you, it literally will fuck you up for life. Okay, so (sighs) July 28th, Mm -hmm. Michael is indicted on a weapons possession charge. Yep. Yep, because he's not supposed to have weapons. That's July 28th, 2021. Mm -hmm. Yep. And he knows, and he tells the judge, the judge was like, didn't you know you're not supposed to have weapons? And he said, I was unclear. He had to surrender them. <laughs> like, 
what, whatever. Well, and he's Michael. like, well, you know, I carry a pistol around to keep the cougars and the bears away from me. I'm sorry. In Montana, the bears that are up there are big enough that a pistol, they would just like literally bite your fucking arm off and laugh. Like, yeah. you would need a lot more than a pistol. And I think yeah. he knows that. So it's just a big yep. fat excuse. Yep. Like, no, dude, a pistol, you're going to aggravate the bear more than anything. <laughs> It's like, going to laugh at you. <laughs> if you try to shoot a bear with that thing, they're going to be like, that was cute. And now you're my dinner. Thank you. <laughs> um, that went to trial early this year. It took some time. Yeah. COVID and whatnot. Well, he was convicted of those charges. He was convicted. Yeah. Um, he pled not guilty at first. Uh, he's doing 21 months mm-hmm. and then three years probation. And the judge made sure that he knew that this is this a... This is a lifetime ban. It is a federal... Yeah. Offense. It is a lifetime ban. Like yeah. you don't just yeah. get to not. Yep. Yep. Okay, so Jermaine is gone for sure. Yep. Um have any other suspects come into the picture at all? They haven't released names of any suspects at all. That's because there are none. Let's just be real. Like there's no there's no one else. Well, and they've listed They've mentioned person of interest, but they have also not listed Michael as a suspect. Right. So I just want to be clear. I do too. Yes, he's not a suspect, quote unquote. But when you look at the facts of this case laid out the way that you did, which was really great, by the way, that timeline was great. It just, you have to come to the logical conclusion that something happened to her that night. Yeah. And... I want more than anything for her family to get justice and for her children to get justice and receive the truth about their mother. Yep. That's what they deserve. Yep. Well, and uh, because she is still listed as missing, I just want to go over her missing poster. Yeah, please do. Everybody. So Jermaine, Charlotte, she goes by Liz. She is 5'9", 130 pounds, brown hair, brown eyes. She has two tattoos, a flower tattoo on her chest and a deer on her left shoulder blade. She was last seen on the Orange Street area in Missoula around 1 a.m. on Saturday, June 16th. She was wearing blue jeans, a white shirt with a brown under like armor pullover, a hoodie. Um, she was wearing the hat. She mm-hmm. had like neon sunglasses on the hat. The hat has three trees. I can remember the tree, three <laughs> trees. And she was wearing cowboy boots with a square toe. Okay. Like the blocked off toe. Mm-hmm. So if anybody has any information about her or about her case. Yep. You can call, you can call the Missoula police department, but you can also call 406-396-3261. And that's Guy. Again, 406-396-3261. Yeah, and um, we're going to be uh, giving out some information today at the end of our episode to um, the cases that we're covering and some of the missing and murdered Indigenous women. Um, this, this needs to stop. Like, this phenomenon, if you want to call it that, it needs to stop. And... Well, and Montana is the highest rates in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we didn't talk about it a lot because it didn't end up being pertinent to this case, but um, sex trafficking is a huge thing in yeah. Montana as a whole. There's a pipeline right up to Portland and Seattle. 
and they're gone. Um, As of 2021, 67% of reported missing were women in Montana. 80% of them were under the age of 18. Wow. Yeah, there's a huge trafficking. Um, Trafficking of women and girls is the second highest commodity in Montana for trafficking. That's disgusting. Yep, so... All right. Well, on that happy note, (laughs) um, thanks for going over that. And again, um, at the end of today's episode, we're going to have some information for you guys. So thanks for covering this case, Danelle. I know this was a hard case to cover, and researching it had to have been rough. So thanks for doing that for us. I just want somebody, I just want them to be able to bring her home. Yeah, same. I do too. All right. Well, I'm Maggie. And I'm Danelle. And we are Life and Death on the Fringe. The Strong Hearts Native Helpline exists to restore power to Native Americans impacted by domestic and sexual violence by weaving together a braid of safety, sovereignty, and support. Their services include crisis intervention, assistance with safety planning, domestic violence education and information, referrals to Native-centered domestic violence and sexual violence service providers, basic information about health options, support finding a local health facility or crisis center trained in the care of sexual assault survivors and forensic exams. They also provide general information about jurisdiction and legal advocacy referrals. Their phone number is 1-844-762-8483. That's 1-844-7-NATIVE. Or you can text that same number. If you do, you will immediately receive a response notification that you will be texted back from a secondary number. Your information will be kept anonymous and confidential. You can also check out their website.